Liz Winstead here, co-creator of The Daily Show and co-host of the Feminist Buzzkills Live pod. Well, the vaginal crossing guards on the Supreme Court have destroyed Roe v. Wade. Good news, my nonprofit abortion access front can help. On July 17th, we're hosting an activist training day called Operation Save Abortion. We're gathering experts from every area in the field of abortion justice and live streaming a series of conversations that break down the many opportunities available to you to protect access to all things reproductive care. Helping patients with travel needs, lobbying politicians, and getting into good trouble out in these streets are just a few examples that these amazing panels are going to break down and bonus connect you to the organizations in your area doing this work. So gather your friends for a watch party, then commit to becoming a defender of abortion access. I'll be there, and so should you. Operation Save Abortion, July 17th. For all the info and to register, hit up OperationSaveAbortion.com. Waywo.tv is filmed before a live studio audience being held against their will. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Waywo.tv. Today on the show, we have AJ Awesome, uh, and we also have a uh, special little ditty for you at the end here. Oh, also, uh, the Plonkertons are playing their new song, but I mean, who really cares about that? Uh, let's head over to Happy Harriman, New York, home of the George Carlin Podcast Studio, and our host, Mr. BJ Mendelson. AJ, thank you so much for joining me on What Are You Working On? I, I'm i a fan of your interviews. Thank you. I, I know you've been doing them for a very long time, so I, I just have to ask, where where did it all start? Um, It all started back, like, I think 2015, when I was five years old. It was, um, my mom was watching interview channels, and I liked wrestling at I started to like wrestling at that point. So um, my mom thought, hey, he loves wrestling and he wants to do something on YouTube. How about I show him some of these interviews and see if he wants to be a wrestling interviewer? And I said yes to being a wrestling interview. And now I'm here where I am right now. Yeah, I, I love I love your background. Like it's it's very cool. It's It's much more professional than what I have. My mom got it for StarCast 2018, I believe. Very cool. Tell us about the show. For people who who haven't seen it, uh, who do you interview and what is it that you do on your YouTube channel? Um, I interview wrestlers, and but I've also interviewed some musicians too, but mostly wrestlers. And I interview wrestlers from the St. Louis independent scene, all the way up to AEW and WWE superstars. But sometimes the uh, indie interviews are a lot better than the AEW because I know the independent people a lot more than I know the AEW people. Yeah. Is there, are there press people that you have to deal with when you, when you try to set up an interview? Yes. Um, there are a lot of press problems with WWE because every single I have never actually gotten in contact with WWE, or should I say my mom. It, but whenever I try and do an interview with AEW, we have to reach out to the AEW media team. Sometimes we ask there, or we ask the wrestler, they have to ask the AEW team during that. Let me ask you, who is the who is the first wrestler that you interviewed? Um, a St. Louis independent wrestler named Outcast is the first wrestler I had ever ever interviewed. 
And who so far, who has been your favorite? Um, I do not have a favorite, but I feel like the one that was the most fun, I wouldn't say the most fun, but I have two main ones that I really enjoyed that I think about to this day, it is the SCU interview and the Moon interview, because me and him chatted for like 45 minutes during the interview. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. And you've... You've done about 300? There's about 300 interviews so far, is that right? Um, I think we have hit 200, but I don't think we've went very much over 200. That's a that's a lot. Like that's what what have you learned in doing so many of these? Um, I would say I've definitely gotten better at social skills throughout the whole thing, but then I've also learned how to put together questions on the spot and a lot of other things like that. Like, I've learned a lot about journalism just in general, and I've also learned about wrestling backstage in a sense, too. Was there anything that, that surprised you to learn about rest, how, like the backstage operations of wrestling? I've started learning about it, actually, whenever I was, like, six, whenever I feel like I first... Um, my dad started becoming a referee. I feel like I was about eight, and that was my first real bring into the backstage of wrestling. And the main thing that surprised me was mostly just how much preparation it takes to do the whole wrestling, just in general, because it takes months of preparation to put on one show. That's right. For your interviews, how much how much preparation do you put into each each interview that you do? Um, it mostly depends on who I'm interviewing, but most interviews, it takes me about 15 to 20 minutes to set up the questions, and because I have specialty questions for some people, but most interviews, just in general, it takes around 20 minutes to set up the interviews, and then there is also the whole setting up the camera, which my mom does mostly, because I don't know how to do that, which takes <laughs> around five minutes. So if you just count in the moment interviews, not including editing or anything, it takes around 25 minutes. Oh, wow. Are, are you going to learn? Do you want to learn how to shoot with the camera? Is that like part of your... Yes, I do very much, because... Um, I don't want to put that much work on my mom whenever I'm like, whenever I'm like 15 trying to, because I want to be able to do it on my own by then. So I've started trying to learn a little bit about how to work the camera and the editing. Now, let me ask you, um, how do you, how do you pick which, which wrestler do you have like a, do you have like a list where you're like, okay, that's who, who's like at the top of that list for you to, to want to interview? Um, I, I have like three people I really want to interview right now. John Moxley has been my favorite for maybe six years now. And then there is also Roman Reigns, who's doing the best work of his career right now. And then I feel like an MJF interview would be a lot of fun. But he would also be a big butthole throughout the whole interview. <laughs> yeah, he, I, I don't think I've ever seen him break character. Uh yeah, it's incredibly rare. Have you? Um, no, because I've really only seen him at, like, one media event. It's StarCast. And he never truly broke character throughout the entirety of all the press interviews I've watched him say, do. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, he's very committed to the character, which I love. Yes. Now, let me ask, 
do you have strong opinions about WWE? Like, wh- which one are you watching the most right now, WWE or AEW? Um, I personally find it hard to keep myself entertained throughout the whole three hours of Raw. But SmackDown, I'm usually able to watch a lot more because I'm more excited to see what happens with Roman Reigns with the titles. But mostly, I feel like I watch AEW more because almost I feel like every single week I watch both of the AEW shows. But it's I really only watch uh, a full week of WWE shows in like a month. Hey, it's me, God. I know it's been a while. And I haven't been the best dad, especially this century. Well, I was going through some shit, and you know what? I'm not going to talk about it. All you need to know is that I'm doing commercials now. I've got bills to pay, too. Do you have any idea how much I just lost on crypto? A lot. A lot. And so now God needs your money. Like, for real this time. Not like all those other times every Sunday. You know who else needs your money? B.J. Mendelson. So give him $5 by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. That website again is buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. Buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. And if you don't give B.J. your money, you and I are gonna have problems big ones. This is Rosie Tran from Rosie and BJ Save the World, a podcast asking big questions and discussing how to solve these big issues. This is a podcast for people just like you who ask, has the war on drugs been successful? Do we need universal basic income? Should we legalize sex work? Go to rosieandbjsavetheworld.com to get more confused. Uh, let me ask you, who who inspires you? Who inspires me? That is actually a really hard question, but I feel like most of the uh, energy I have is inspired by some of the other YouTubers I've seen doing this. I don't really remember their names off the top of my head, but one of them I've tried to take the energy of, I think, a YouTuber called Brandon Does Everything. He has a really great energy during his videos, and I went to try and copy that energy in a sense and put it into my videos because it definitely makes this content a lot more watchable in a sense for me because I feel like if he didn't have the same energy that he does right now it would be a lot harder to watch like universe modes without any talking would be a lot more harder to watch with than with talking do you do you want to be a journalist when you get older um, mate, right now, my main thing that I want to do whenever I get older is to actually become a wrestler, but I would enjoy being a journalist in wrestling because then I still will be able to be on the same level as wrestlers where, like, I'm traveling with them sometimes and, like, I get to go out in the big arenas and stuff, too. That would be awesome, right? <laughs> uh, let me, let me ask you, so when you do, an, when you upload an episode of your show do you worry at all about like the statistics or are you just you're just doing it for fun like is it just like a fun i mainly 
don't really care about the statistics that much of the video. I just hope that um, my video makes a couple people smile and laugh. No matter if it's just one or two, I'm happy if those one, one or two people are happy because of my interview. So I don't really worry that much about the statistics of the video. That's great. I, I, I wish more people felt that way because I think that's a great attitude to have with it. Uh, I only have a couple more questions. So so let me ask you, who is someone's work? It could be a wrestler that, that you really admire that you don't think they get the attention they deserve. Um, A wrestler that I really like that I feel like doesn't get the attention they deserve is Mike Outlaw. He does some of the greatest work in the St. Louis indie scene right now. But then there is also some wrestlers who have gotten some attention, like Tootie Lynn is a great wrestler that has gotten some of the attention she deserves, but I feel like she should be in like AEW or something right now. I agree. Um, what? And my last question I ask everybody is, what, what's the best advice that you ever got? The best advice that I've ever got, a lot of advice that I get is to listen. And that is some really great advice that you can get. Because in the wrestling world and just in the world in general, all you you listen, not talk. I have a lot of trouble following that, truly, because I talk a lot. But um, you need to try and listen as much as you can during while you when you can, because some of that information you might not be able to hear again. That's right. Uh, this was this was wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Where where can we watch your interviews? Is there any particular interview you'd want us to, to go and see? Um, you can go watch my interviews at youtube.com slash the AJ Awesome Show. And one interview I would like you to particularly check out is just really any interview because there is no one specific interview. Try and find a wrestler that you like and enjoy and click on that interview and watch it if you want. That was that was ter- that was terrific. Th- thank you. Hey everybody, this is John, uh, your uh, friendly neighborhood unprofessional announcer that introduces all the episodes of Wewa.tv. Me and the rest of the team, BJ included, want to take a quick second to thank you. Thank you for your listenership. Thank you for uh, for hanging out with us. We work really hard on this material, and we are so excited that you guys enjoy it. Um, speaking of material that we work super hard on, we are getting ready to launch another podcast called Vape Crusaders. Uh, totally different vibe, different format, um, but still equally as cool. We get to talk to comic book people about comic books. It's really great. We did an interview with Barbara Slate. She is wonderful. She is fantastic. Um, she did the comic book Angel Love for DC, among a million other things she's been involved with. We had such a great time uh, sitting down with her. Um, today's interview was a little bit short, so we thought we would pop in a preview of Vape Crusaders and give you guys a little bit of that interview that we had with Barbara Slate. Super good time. Thank you for being here. I'm rambling, and I'm doing this off script. This is off the top of the head, so... Uh, Let's uh, transition into the content that you came here for. Get off, man. We were just reading comics. But you weren't buying comics. This ain't a library, Captain Food Stampy. Stay the hell out or I call the cops. Tell them, Steve, Dave. Pair of scruffy-looking nerf herders. Fascists? Man, I hate 
hate those guys, don't you? And on top of that, they run a... You run a crappy comic book store! Jerks. Um, so, okay. Um, so, I, you know, I would love, because people, there's people like me, right, who consider themselves comic historians, but have just completely missed Angel Love for one reason or another. I was three when when the comic had first come out. That's probably a reason you missed it. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, unless you were this child genius, and <laughs> well, could, I, I have to tell you a funny story. Yeah. I was um, at um, Staples the other day, and this lovely man was helping me pick out my um, paper and all the stuff I need at Staples. And as I was leaving, he said, "Would you like to give to the Hudson School District, which is where it's my area?" And I said, you know, I just dropped them off about 100 comic books. And he said, wish I had comic books when I was growing up in, in school, because now they're a big thing for yes. kids. who, Yeah. And so um, I said, to, I said, oh, I do comics. I, and he says, really, what did you do? I said, oh, you wouldn't know because you're a guy. I said, I did Angel Love. He said, Angel Love was what helped him to read. That's oh, beautiful. So he read it. His sister had bought it. So that's what helped him. That was one of the best trips to uh, to Staples I've ever had. But it was really so rewarding to hear that that a young man actually read my comic and it helped him to learn to read. Anyway, that was my story. No, it's a, it's a beautiful <laughs> it's a beautiful story. And it's, it's very common because I taught myself how to read using using Marvel comics um, because they weren't accessible at the library. Like I'm I'm probably the last generation that didn't have comic books in the school library it started well, to change yeah. a bit it, it used to be such a uh, taboo to yes. for, and all of a sudden with teachers i do a lot of teaching at schools and a lot now i come in with my stack of comic books and i and i'm still a little hesitant i go is it okay that i brought that are you kidding anything <laughs> that can make these kids read and so i'm thrilled about that yes. I, I, it's a really wonderful time for comics it is. And I, so that's why I think it's important to highlight these these important characters and issues that people need to know about. And so I would love to ask you just about the genesis of Angel Love. Like, first, but could you tell us how you got into comics? I got into comics because I started a greeting card line called Ms. Liz, which was a feminist comic. And I did that for about nine years and it got a lot of um, press and, and I got on the Today Show. It was because it was the first greeting card that was a feminist greeting card. So I was able to come with that in my portfolio and meet Jeanette Kahn, who was looking, perfect timing, was looking for a comic for girls because at that time it was 95% boys. I, I don't know. I you can I don't look that old, but I'm old. <laughs> you can see me. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> you don't you don't look a day over 40. Over 40. You're very kind. Thank you. Oh, so let me ask what when so you were doing the comic strip, and I know it so the comic strip got a lot of attention. Uh you also did work in Cosmo, is that right? Like the comic. The yeah, the comic, uh, uh, Miss Liz was a, the, actually the first comic that was ever in, uh, the first comic strip that was ever in Cosmopolitan magazine. And uh, when I 
called Cosmo, I said, you know, I have a comic strip and the person who answers, we don't do comics, <laughs> you know, and it was, you know, practically hanging up in my ear, but I put them in an envelope and sent them to Helen Gurley Brown, just wrote her name. Within the next day, she wanted to buy all of them. I sent her four strips. So that's a lesson in don't take no for an answer. Absolutely. Now, tell me about Angel Love. Like, where did that character start to come into existence for you? Like, in your mind, when did, when did you start thinking about who she was and what the challenges were that she was going to face? It was um, my first meeting with Jeanette because I brought in Ms. Liz, thinking that maybe they would go with Ms. Liz, but DC had to own the character. Uh, so she goes, would you be interested in doing a character for us? Not the would I, would I, you know, so... That's, that's an old joke. Anyway, I'm not going to tell you that awful joke. But yes, um, so I um, I started thinking about a character that was very much in the line of Ms. of Ms. Liz, of you know more of a feminist character, and um, and it, and it, it was a bit of a struggle because uh, I kind of pulled back because at the time, uh, the only comic book out there for girls was Betty and Veronica. And so, and they was pretty much set in the fifties and very, uh, um, all the characters had very happy homes, uh, no divorces. And they had uh, a mother and father and, you know, it was all beautifully, you know, there were no real problems. And so I kind of pulled back on my uh, doing angel love because I thought that, I had to do it kind of like Betty and Veronica, but a little bit more like Ms. Liz. And then I had this meeting with uh, Karen Berger, who was my editor at the time. And because I had submitted about three, maybe even four or five uh, scripts and I kept getting rejected. And I'm like, what's wrong? Uh, the character itself, the drawing of, Ms. Of, of Angel Love was fine, but I kept, and I thought, what am I doing wrong? And um, so Karen said, Jeanette says, not this, but, and whenever an editor says not this, but it's a jumping off point. She goes, Angel tries to put in her diaphragm and it goes sailing across the room. And I was like, what? And then it just was like heaven. All the shackles were taken off. I knew I could do whatever I wanted. So drug, sex, rock and roll, dying mother, the whole bit. I was thrilled. And so that really was the jumping off point where I was ready to, I was ready to go. One day, Lunchbox, one day we're going to have our own comic book store. Yeah, it's going to be just like... Shangri-La. And you know what we're gonna call it, don't you? Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash. And we'll have millions and millions of, like, comics, but the best one will be about us and our daring exploits against comic store dork fascism. And we'll throw in an advice column with tips for picking up the honeys. And because of that, all the ladies will be up in our grill. And we'll carry our own line of fashion wear. T-shirts, jerseys, jockstraps, and of course, action figures with the kung fu grip that look just like you know who. And so, when you when you wrote this series, was there a general arc that you were following with the character, or was it more designed to 
to take on these big issues that were happening, especially in the late eighties. Like there was, you know, there was still Reaganism and a lot of like conservative forces out there, uh, which are unfortunately all back now. Um, but did you have in your minds, like, I want to take on this in this issue and I want to, or was it more just following how Angel Love and her story and the, just the different things that she would encounter each day as, as sort of the arc? Well, I was very lucky because um, I got on a Greyhound bus and came to New York when I was 20. So everything was really new to me. So I took a lot from my experience. However, it's things like uh, walking down the streets of New York, seeing incredible stuff that was being thrown out. I was, right. So I would pick it up and use it in my apartment. So I, I did that, gave that um, phenomenon to Angel. But the, um, the things that were really important to me at that moment, it was AIDS. I was losing so many of my friends. And um, so I wanted to introduce the AIDS story. So I had the bartender um, where Angel worked was on vacation, but I knew that the bartender had AIDS. And I was going to introduce that story in number, I think it was like number 10 or 11, but it got pulled off the racks. <laughs> it, Angel Love was uh, discarded, pulled off the racks <laughs> um, in the ninth issue. So um, all there were, there, I had so many stories, so many more stories that I wanted to write. And, and the eighth story was one that I really was uh, drawn to and um, but never got to write. But nobody knew that this everyone, I mean, everyone who was reading the comic thought that this guy was on vacation. It was just mentioned slightly. And uh, the the drugs um, having uh, cocaine was very big at the time. And so Angel going out with a guy who was very into coke was uh, the first issue and um, her trying to help him out, which of course, everybody knows you don't help anybody who's on drugs. You have to, they have to figure it out for themselves. But she had a, t a hard time breaking up with him because he had such gorgeous eyes and she was so attracted to him. But eventually she broke up with him. And so the, that was one story. And then there, the, um, the dying mother and, you know, the, the, um, the story of uh, her sister um, running away from home. She never knew why. And she, she was, you know, running for Congress and she found her and she found out that she was being sexually abused by her. Um, I had it by her father and Dick Giorgano called me and said, no, 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 we cannot do that. So uh, let me, let me ask you, like, so did you, when you were writing and plotting the issues, it doesn't sound like DC was, was too involved except for like maybe that one. And so like, what was the relationship between, between you and the editorial staff as you were writing and plotting the issues? I, I think a lot was going on behind the scenes that I never knew about. I, I, I just, I didn't know that it was, um, I should have been more aware, but you know, when you, I got into the comic business, comic book and because of greeting cards. So I wasn't one of these people who, knew about comics at all but my first issue was the whole issue was printed in comic buyer's guide 
which was a huge deal. Yes. Which I did not know at the time. I'm like, oh, this is nice. Because, you know, I in with um, Miss Liz, because it was a feminist thing and it, it was, I, I got a lot of attention, you know, and I, you know, I traveled a lot. I was on shows and I, I, I it was, so being in Comic Buyer's Guide, now that I look back, I go, oh my God, that whole thing. Because, you know, it was a big deal. Yes. So I didn't appreciate it as much as I should have. Um, and I didn't understand that there was all these meetings about you, you know, I'm going to ruin the industry. And <laughs> because in the 80s, 85, it came out, 85, it was um, radical. It's not for underground comics, but for a mainstream comic, DC, yes. for Jeanette to take that kind of a chance on it, give her a lot of credit. Um, and um, so I, I, I didn't know until um, I walked in. See, I had today. I would still be doing Angel Love. I would, I would be on my five thousandth issue and be having a wonderful time. So when I walked into Karen Berger's office and she said, "You know, this is it. Wrap it up." I said, "Wrap it up." You know, I've already I, I color coded uh, fifteen issues and. Uh, and there's so many plots and subplots going on. I can't wrap it up in 24 pages. So I begged Jeanette to give me, you know, a, a, a ending. So she gave me a 40, 48 page um, book to wrap up all the stories, which I did. And um, sadly, I had to say goodbye. And I had so many, so much mail from uh, these girls who were, abused and my brother just horrible horrible stories and um and i answered them but you know i was afraid i didn't know whether the, the brother was going to get her mail i and there was a couple of times where i did call the authorities and say there's something going on in this home i got this letter from this girl and and also from angel you're my best friend you're my only friend i mean little girls when I, I don't know, I guess 11, 12, really related to this character. And um, so um, the, my, the last issue I wrote to every one of them and just did a little line saying something, you know, mostly crying. We all cried. <laughs> for sure. I, and so I, I definitely want to uh, ask you about the fans, but let me back up for just a second. For people that are listening, like I want to I emphasize that you, so you were pretty much constructing the comic entirely on your own. You, know, you were you were writing you were you were drawing you were coloring. I had, were, I had somebody. I had uh, John Lopez. Um, I, I I created all the characters and I drew them. But John Lopez did most of the drawings. So yes. okay. I I always um, had an assistant. And it's with Ms. Liz. I always had an assistant uh, with me. And so um, for me, it was I, I I did the layouts, and for me, it was the story moving on with the story, and um, so yeah. And if we start right now, we can make that dream a reality. The future's unwritten, man. We can shape our own destiny to reflect our dreams and aspirations. We can do it, Song Bob. Together, we can rise above mediocrity and become testimonies to the power of affirmative action. Pipe down or I'll call the cops. And you'll have your ass busted. Watch your porn on. And so with the fans, uh, you know, Crix, our co-host, 
uh, is is one of those you know little girls that was reading it and fell into the comic and and loved it. And so I'm curious what what was your experience the first time that you had received fan mail? Like, do you remember what what that was like after the first issue came out and and you started to hear from people that were reading it? Oh, it was thrilling. It was it was you know you don't get the fan mail the first two issues you get them the third issue i started getting the fan mail so the first two issues it was crickets i'm like "Uh uh-oh is anybody reading this thing because i really didn't know i kept and then the the fan mail started flooding in and uh, and it was it was thrilling i uh and i did answer tried to answer all of them but also these girls would be drawing angel love and it was great have you have you encountered i mean you mentioned the uh the gentleman at staples well, up, but i know that you've also gone out and teach uh and you have a terrific book about creating uh, graphic novels and so i'm wondering like in that time that you you've been traveling and teaching has angel love continued to follow you comic uh comic cons and when i do a comic and girls come up and they they're the girls that were reading my comic books so yes there's thrilled to meet me and I'm thrilled to meet them. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It really is to get that, you know, uh, I, I couldn't wait for Angel Love every month and all that adulation. Yes, it was wonderful because, you, you know, uh, as a uh, creator of um, any artistic endeavor, you know, we, you spend most of your time at your computer by yourself month after month after month, and then you get out into the world and it takes a little adjustment to realize there are humans out there and so all these girls that came in uh, at the comic cons were yeah it was great and then sitting on panels and talking about it it was really wonderful i haven't been to a comic convention in a while though so but i, yeah, I do get be- but i do get to staples that's right <laughs> uh, let me ask what would you what would you like to say to people that are learning about angel love for the first time uh, through an interview like this? Like, what is it that that you're most proud of that you would like to share with people? I think it was a groundbreaking comic uh, at that time. And um, you can pro- you can get them online. Uh, people were selling them and they're, and they're not expensive. You know, uh, they're, you know, if you want to get them, I, I think a lot of people online are selling. I, you know what? I don't even know. I don't really check. But I, um, every once in a while, uh, something will pop up and it says, Angel Love, you know, the whole series is such and such amount, which actually I buy a lot of it because I, I, I'm, I'm so, I hardly have any left. So what I'd like to say about it is um, it's, it was groundbreaking, and um, it was it was really thrilling. Uh, what 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 is something that you think Angel Love would be doing today as a character? Like, what's if you had to write a new issue in twenty twenty two? Oh well, she would be marching. She'd be in front of the Supreme Court. She would probably have the microphone because she'd be a little bit older now. Uh, definitely be doing that. Uh, she would be um, uh, applauding that, um, I, I'm blanking on her name, that wonderful woman who was uh, talking yesterday um, uh, to the, uh, the January 6th committee. 
what was her name? Cassidy. Oh, yes. Yes. So hopefully she would be friends with Cassidy. Yes. Or that might be her daughter. Who knows? Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, there's so much. Uh, the, yeah, there's, there, there's, it's, it's a really, um, and of course the pandemic, she would, you know, she'd be getting her vaccines. There, there's so much going on today. That's an interesting question. There is so much going on today. It's too bad that she's, that I don't have her to write about, but I am doing my autobiography and I, That's wonderful. I am, uh, writing about, um, a, a lot of, uh, things that happened during the nineties and the, and, and also, I don't know whether you're where I did the Mueller report. Are you aware of that? Yes. Yes. So that was, uh, she would have done the Mueller report. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was something that I had to do. I got up every day and did a page and put it online. And it was, uh, and, and it was a really great thing for me to do because i was so incensed about what was going on yes. politically that it was the one thing that i could do and uh, angel would be that way we're very close <laughs> are, are you thinking of doing that for the january 6th report when it comes out there's so much in there there, there is there is so much and it is so fast you know, the thing with the Mueller report is when it finally came out, and, 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 and also they learned so much from the Mueller report. They learned that in order to keep the attention of the American people, everybody's busy with whatever they're doing, they had to keep it compelling. And this January 6th report is compelling. I, I can't, I am so, involved in that but it's so fast you know and it changes so you know this whole thing yesterday was incredible and i i would love to do it but it's it just they're doing it where everybody understands it the thing with the Mueller report yes. it was so difficult to read and i'm a i am not a good I, you know, I, I don't read directions I, if it's if it's if the print is I, I just am not a real person. I'm not a person who normally would read the Mueller report, but because I was so incensed, I read it over and over and over and over again until I understood it. And once I understood it, I was able to break it down into panels and it make it readable and actually kind of funny. You yes. know, which of course you, which is really what I, I I love writing humor, and to make the Mueller report funny was a real challenge. But you know, the characters were so fabulous. You know, Trump was such a horrible character to do, and I love drawing him because of that. You know, <laughs> anyway, that's enough of the Mueller report. But that yeah, Angel would have definitely been marching and doing stuff like that. <laughs> My last question for you is, is there anything about Angel Love that you haven't been asked before that you've always wanted to be asked? Well, you just asked me something. What would she be like in the future? Um, is there anything? Uh, you know, everybody always asks me, uh, is it coming back? <laughs> <laughs> 
So the answer to that is talk to these things. Um, is it, I don't, um, let me just think about that for a moment. Sure. And I'd like to say the DC Comics, please bring it back. You're the best. <laughs> Thank you. It's like, sincerely, I, I feel like it's, it's with everything that's going on right now, I, I couldn't think of something better to put out. And for that, they already own the character. Like, it's their character. So for them to put it, put her back into the main DC universe or, or to bring her back would be easy for them. I, I, I would think so. And um, I, uh, I would hope that they would call me first and ask me to yes. write it first before they Absolutely. give it to a young whippersnapper, whippersnapper, <laughs> before they give it to somebody. Because, you know, when they do own those characters, you really have very little say on it. But um, I, I still think I could do a good job with her. Yeah, who better? Your beers, pack your ass, my good man. Time to kick back, drink your beers, and smoke your weed. So I'm poisoning the youth for today, huh? Hell yes, whatever that means. Now it's time to head over to Atlantic, drink some beers, get ripped, and hopefully get laid. 79. Pay the good man. Yeah, you close soon? In half an hour. Yeah, we get off the same time every day. We should hang out. You get high? I should start.